spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. What? Oh, I'm supposed to go now. <laughs> it's so weird seeing you. Oh, right, all right. <clears throat> It's another spine-tingling episode of Max Mike Movies. Ooh, very we, scary. Scary. We talk to each other and you listen about movies. Wait, let me try that again. Yes. <clears throat> we talk to movies and... No, no, no. No, no. no. Uh, I'll... Wait. You're I'll get movies. The room. I'll get movies to tell us what to say and Max beats me with a rubber fish every week. Well, that part is true. But... Uh, that's close enough. Yeah. This time around, we're celebrating the recent Mother's Day by comparing old and new versions of the classic horror film, The Mummy. <laughs> See how it's themic? How no I went that in? No wire hangers ever. <laughs> of course, the best Mummy part dearest. Is, is that even though Mother's Day was just this past Sunday, by the time this episode airs, it'll be um, 2023, I think. <laughs> yeah, we, we record a little ahead. Yeah. Uh, it's all part of our series, what, this again, or then and now? Movies from before and yeah. later. Now then. <laughs> you, you wouldn't believe that I spent hours writing this intro, would you? Would you? <clears throat> <laughs> That's so cute. Oh, right. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> You're terrible at this. <laughs> that over there making a big mess of things is Max Levine. <laughs> <laughs> and this over here making... An even bigger mess of things. Is Mike loose <clears throat> yeah um there are many mummy movies but we're going to stick to the original 1932 v version with boris karloff and, aka the grinch yes and the 1999 version with brendan fraser aka dudley do right which is more mummy mm. Mm, mummy <laughs> more so, mummy for your money so if you too would like to contact us See how I worked that in Good. so subtly that I didn't even notice? Amazing. No, that was terrible. Uh, if you would like to contact us, please do so. using your mummy. <laughs> no, no mummy. With the email address, us at maxmikemovies.com. Hey, guess what? We have a website at the same address without the us at part, which is just the maxmikemovies.com. We have our uh, all our episodes there, uh, the earlier ones, the current ones. You can leave us comments. Uh, you can also find us on various social media such as Facebook and Twitter at Big Surprise Max Mike Movies. And last but not least, if you'd like to subscribe and like us when you subscribe, please you can, like us. Please do. You can do so at the Google Podcast app or Apple Podcast app of your choice, mm -hmm. as long as it's one of those two. Yes. You can have any color as long as it's black. Mm -hmm. I'd also like to ask our listeners both of you if you like the show tell your friends use your social media say hey there's this great new podcast you two should be listening to because max and mike are exceedingly i can't say it no, no. cool and uh, if if you have if you don't like the podcast and you have people you don't like tell them to listen sure we'll take anyone that would be a great way to punish them <laughs> yeah yeah hey mm. <laughs> it doesn't sound like you like us very much <laughs> right so we have mummy movies the show. We're going to start with the 1932 Mummy movie. This, of course, featured the famous cereal mascot, Fruity Yummy Mummy. No, it does not. It totally does. No, it doesn't. Don't go watch it, folks. You'll see. I'm right. He's wrong. There's no Fruit Brute, Frankenberry, <laughs> Booberry, or Count Chocula either. Mm -hmm. uh, this movie, 1932, the first first version. This is a, a Universal monster film that is not based mm. on a pre-existing property of any kind. No book, no play, no nothing. Uh, it was inspired by the 
opening of Tutankhamun's tomb back in the 1920s and Howard Carter and all that stuff, which they were all considered to be cursed. Ah, cursed. Well, they, they did all die. Well, there is that. Of course, that was 90 years ago, so, you know. Um, and basically, it involves archaeologists finding a tomb, finding a mummy. Oh, no, this mummy, this guy, has been did something very, very naughty. Oh, yes. And he was cursed and put into the ground with the idea that he would rise again for reasons that we still don't really understand no um and basically uh this mummy is very different than most later takes on the mummy because um he gets up and talks to people and, and actually he's, he's not like wrapped in bandages that whole ah, no. thing that came later with other mummies right and he uh, actually has an assumed name uh which is ardeth bay and i'll yeah. get through that in the trivia of course the the egyptian name he's imhotep Right. But the, the um, oh no, I'm a real guy yeah. is Ardeth Bay. Right. And mostly he looks like Boris Karloff if Boris Karloff really, really needed to moisturize. Yeah. And like had little black lines. Right? Mm. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, he believes that his uh, beloved, or the, the ever so lovely Anak Sunamun or Ankh Sunamun, depending on how you want to pronounce it, mm. uh, has been reincarnated in the guise of this. 1930s young lady whose name I have forgotten and didn't write down because stupid. Yeah. Well, honest, let's face it, apart from Imhotep, almost all the other characters are completely forgettable. But she does we'll spend a lot of time on the couch. She does, she does <laughs> seem to suffer rather heavily from the vapors. Anyway, uh, his whole thing is that he wants to uh, bring back the or awaken, reawaken the spirit of his dead love from way back when he was very, very naughty. Uh, he does not succeed. We it's more or less destroyed the mummy the end. Mm -hmm. That was 1932. Yeah. There is a little, there was some trivia. Um, quite well, honestly, most, most of it wasn't very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, that assumed name I was mentioning, Ardeth Bay, is actually an anagram for Death by Ra. Oh. Yes. Did that's not know cute. that. It's not a real Didn't word. Didn't know that either. Um, this mummy, Imhotep, was not the same mummy in the various numbers of secret, uh, subsequent films, such oh. as Hand of the Mummy, Terror of the Mummy. That in the mummy's name was Karis. Hmm. Uh, Imhotep actually, as the mummy, would only reappear mm -hmm. in the 1999 version, which we'll be discussing later. Hmm. Uh, Imhotep himself was a real person. He was actually an art architect of some of the earliest of the pyramids, and one of the very few people that was buried not only with honor, but was actually considered to become a god. Oh. Some even said he was originally descended from the gods because of his knowledge and skill. So um, let's put a big pointy thing on the top of the pyramid. You know, I just he's a genius. I just bet if you pile a bunch of stones like this, it'll look great. Because as everyone knows, the ancient Egyptians all sounded like they were from New York. Yes, because they did. <laughs> they did. Hello, I'm in Hotep. I'll be a mummy today. I'm I'm Pharaoh Tutankhamun. Yeah. Um, I tried to find out the budget was something like $175,000, something like that, but I couldn't find the take. Mm. Um, my guess is it was fairly popular because there were so many other mummy films after that. A as lot well of the as... Universal Monster movies were very popular right. at the time, and people would just go see them because they were Universal Monster movies. You could say they were universally well-received. Uh, yes, but we won't. <laughs> we won't? No. Oh, okay. And this, I mean, Let me strike that from The me. Mummy basically sort of rounds out the, the big three right. of Dracula, Frankenstein, and the Mummy. And then you get people like the Creature from the Black Lagoon. But we forgot the Wolfman. Oh, the Wolfman. Yeah. That is true. That is yeah. true. I did forget them. Lon Chaney. Uh, Winding his way through... <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Yeah, we I didn't saw Lon Chaney walking with the Queen. You did. Doing the Werewolves of London. Woo! <laughs> The Lowdown. So, this is the 1932 Mummy movie. 
I want to say that I've seen parts of it. I think it's one of those films that a lot of us think we've seen, yeah. but never actually sat through. That's what I thought until we watched it, and I've never seen it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, um, and in fact, I still haven't. <laughs> I had to keep poking him. He kept going. Now, I will say that it, like a lot of films of the times, remember we talked about Dracula only very recently, I want to mm-hmm. say last week. Um, its pacing is not the same. Mm-hmm. It is still very heavily based on a theater production, even though this one feels a lot less like a play than Dracula did. Yeah, this, well, this has more locations, too. Yeah. Um, there's still just, as I said, the, the main character playing uh, the reincarnation of an ox in the moon mm-hmm. uh, spends a lot of time on the couch. In fact, at points, she's like, I want to get up there. Like, no, 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 you stay on the couch. <laughs> we'll go do men things. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also, of course, this is sort of the middle to tail end of the big rise in interest in Egypt stuff. You'll actually see a lot of art, a lot of architecture, a lot of furniture making of the time was all Egyptian because they found the tomb Mm. in the early 20s and everyone was all excited. So this is sort of on the heels of all that. Um, It's just about art deco time. So things, design wise, things are actually pretty cool. We also should warn you, um, this is very much a film of its time and you have to realize like there is a servant in the in the house who is very clearly of African defense who they were uh, uh, descent who they refer to as the Nubian yeah and which, hey, quite honestly it could have been a lot worse yeah but, also the love interest the the pseudo Anax on a moon claims to be half Egyptian uh-huh yeah well she does have dark hair <laughs> And we're done. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure that actress did not have uh, was not half Egyptian. It does look, however, like I don't know if they had um, newsreel footage or whatever, but it does look like they actually sent cameras to Egypt in mm-hmm. the area. Um, so it's kind of cool because, of course, those areas have changed a lot since 1933. Yeah, it's, fun. it's interesting to see them driving through the streets of what I think was Cairo. Right. You know, in 1922. Right. Well, or of course, 32, excuse yeah, me. Yeah. Well, the film takes place in 1921 and 1932 because there's this interesting oh, right. scene where somebody goes m- mad because he sees the yeah. mummy and yes. then laughs a lot. <laughs> and, of course, it starts with the whole, okay, hey, we found this incredible sarcophagus. Uh, what's the inscription say? Don't open it! Don't open it! Don't open it! Really bad things will happen. We're not kidding. Seriously, guys, don't open this. Hmm. Let's open it! <laughs> well, it's mainly this one guy. Yeah. And there's this box they find. And it's not even a sarcophagus. No. It's, a, it's a box. And it's right next to the sarcophagus. And it says very plainly in hieroglyphics, I guess, mm-hmm. don't open this, you know, bad things. And there is a man on the team mm. who I can't tell if he's supposed to be of Egyptian descent. He seems like he's supposed to be. The and he's like, is, we're not doing it. Yeah, and said, he, he says, I'm going to put this right next to the young American guy and tell him not to open it and I'll be right back. <laughs> Nothing could possibly go wrong. And he sits there and he's like, study, study, hmm, box, study, box, hmm, study, study, box, box, if I, open. Yeah, if I do it, I get a whooping. I do it. What he finds inside is a scroll. Yeah. And it is a scroll of do not read this. Yes. Uh, and which uh, wakes up uh, Boris Kar- Karloff. Mm. Um, something of that... I guess it must be from the later scenes, but I did not realize we never see Boris Karloff walking around in his rags. Nope, not ever. He, we see like some trailing bandages go yeah. out a door to tell us, "Uh oh, the mummy's alive." Yeah, he would. Not, he does not look like what we now think of as a the the monster, the hey, mummy. Coin, yeah, coin. That's only from Scooby Doo. <laughs> Same thing. 
Um, now that that did come with other ones. The you know what is it? The Inca Mummy the versus the Robot Monster. No, no, no. That was a real movie. I know, but that, that's totally. And, I think it's wrestling. <laughs> but they do have yeah. Later came the sort of you know really slow walking wrapped in bandages version. Oh no, the Mummy. mummy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Let me take three steps this way. Well, now we've got half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the the Mummy the the mummy in question we see his very mummified face up close a couple of times and then he spends the rest of the film as max said looking like he could really use some some face cream but that's about it and he talks yeah. and of course the and it's mummy, karloff who, who has that great grim frightening voice yeah but it's boris karloff who has a british accent yeah, and speaks yeah. english not really that convincing as an ancient egyptian no he does I, have a fez i also don't <laughs> think they were that tall he was very tall yeah very tall um he mostly is is just sort of poking around he actually uh tricks i guess is the best way of putting it the later archaeological team into not only finding but digging out his beloved's tomb which mm -hmm. is one of the ways he's going to bring her back um, and he keeps the scroll and tries to use that to, to resurrect her. And then he sees, I, I can't remember the character's name. I can't remember anybody's name except for Imhotep and Anaxana Moon. Yeah, Mary, Jennifer, yep. something, Bob, whatever. Steve, whatever. And she's, you know, a flapper, and she's out having fun locally for reasons. And he sees her and blah, blah, blah. And the, there's apparently a whole section of the film that I can't, I believe it was in the script, and they didn't film it because it was going to be too expensive, where they actually showed her, Anaxuna Mun, mm. reincarnated through various points in history. Oh. So it was both supposed to be that she actually was. Oh, interesting. That would have been more interesting. Anakura Ank Sunamun. Mm. I, I can't remember how they pronounced it in the film. It was mm. it was meant to be the same name, yeah. but I can only remember it from the 90s version because they say it so mm. often. Um, yeah, so it is languid um, in places, glacial. Yeah. It is a it is a movie of its time. Um, it is not particularly scary. No, I would say that unlike Dracula, there's not even really creepy parts because there were parts of Dracula as flawed as it might have been mm. that were pretty creepy. Yeah, the mummy we don't really see him do much, uh, <laughs> and he's not really the mummy for very long. And when he is, he doesn't really move. I think his eyes open. That's what happened. His eyes open. Yeah. And then, I mean, he does stuff. He makes people have heart attacks, apparently. Yeah, but he just clenches at a great, his fist. At a great distance, there's not, it's not particularly disturbing. No. And, again, this is another movie where, other than the star, other than Boris Karloff or Bela Lugosi, all the other actors are completely forgettable. Yeah, except for giggles in the beginning. Of the yeah, a little bit. But, but he's, he, he's, he's just, on screen for about four minutes. And then he's never seen yeah. again. He's like, oh, you remember that guy from the earlier scene? Yeah, I remember what happened to him. Well, he's in the Laughing Academy. Oh, well, too bad. Mm. Um, he does have a magic TV set, though. Remember that? Oh, yes. He does have his, okay, we're going to look into picture pictures. <laughs> and we're going to kill someone. And we're going to destroy, we're going to rip out the souls of our enemies. Yeah. That'll be fun. We're going to show you how to do that. Yeah. Uh, no so, offense, I'm sorry, Mr. Rogers, we love you. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't quite understand how he... I guess he has magic mummy powers. They yeah. never really discussed that. Um, they it's a peculiar thing, and this comes up in both movies, that this curse that they... that He, he has committed terrible crimes. You know, in the second movie, he's responsible for the death of the pharaoh, and he has defiled the pharaoh's concubine, and, right. and he's... Doesn't he up. say wife in the second? I mean, we're going to no, get No, no, she said no. She was his concubine in oh. the second. Is not his wife because they, otherwise, then there would be the whole thing of dynastic succession. Oh, but uh, 
they say, okay, so you know what? You are such a jerk. We're going to put a terrible curse on you that if you ever get out, you will have godlike powers and be <laughs> immortal. That'll teach you. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. Um, okay, yes. He suffers. We especially see that in the second movie. You know, yeah. It's a nice touch where they open his coffin and he's got, they can see fingernail marks on the inside. Right. But it's like, wow. So, And in the second movie, he's a damn supervillain. Yeah. But we'll get to that. And, you know, to be fair, he, he's a lower-level supervillain in yeah. here. Like, he, he's going to be going up against people like maybe Luke Cage or <laughs> mm. Danny Rand. He's not going to be going up against Iron Man or... Spider-Man, he may be, but... Eh. Spider-Man would probably... I mean, there was a living mummy. There was a mummy in Marvel character comics. You remember Nakantu, no. the living mummy? No, I remember the living vampire. No, there was a living Morbius, mummy, right? Yeah. yeah, but that was different. He was like a chemically created vampire. <laughs> You're such geeks. I know. Do you remember in Marvel? No, nobody yeah. does except no, yeah. no, except us. Except yeah. I think they're doing a Morbius living vampire they movie. Are. I think it's Jared Leto or someone. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Um, yeah, so he's not... And to be fair, this is the 30s, so like even the fact that he's got a magic TV waiting pool, uh, he's, he's he predates TV. And I think TV was actually first shown in a World's Fair in 1929, but I don't think he started getting anything like TV stations till the late 40s. Yeah, because the first thing that was broadcast was the uh, Munich Olympics. That was 30-something. Uh, the Berlin Olympics, excuse me. Yes. Yeah. But even still... That was the first TV broadcast. Oh, that's broadcast. right. We that's from Contact. Yep. Right. Um, but yeah, so the idea of TV is still pretty new, but it's certainly TV shaped. Yeah, um, I've just lit our lit our uh, beacon, which I've just realized is be, is Grail shaped. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, his powers are are seemingly, I can kill you from afar. I guess if I, well, I can't. Well, and he can also hypnotize people. Yes, he can. He does hypnotize people, uh, which is very much like Dr- Dracula. And he um, is fairly strong. I'm trying to remember what exactly was the scroll supposed to. Do. Is to it him? the scroll of life? Uh, well, in this one, there's only, yeah, it was the scroll from the Book of Thoth. Okay, and that was the thing that allowed him the, allowed the power of resurrection. Okay, so that's what he was going to use to <clears throat> resurrect. Uh, and, well, of course, she was alive. I guess bring her her soul back, or basically her make her personality dominant in the body because she he does that at one point. She it, be the the flapper becomes an ox on a moon, and she remembers stuff. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. and the other lady claws her way out psychically, in effect. Yeah, apparently this was the the director's first film, yeah. and he and the leading lady there did not get along at all. Oh, really? Uh, she apparently was a big believer in mysticism, in resurrection. You got a lot of that in the twenties and thirties. Yeah, um, I mean we're still in the we're right in the middle tail end of. Um, uh, Harry Houdini and Arthur Conan yeah. Doyle. Uh, mm. For those who don't know, Arthur Conan Doyle, who was the originator writer of Sherlock Holmes, was no, 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 it was Hercule Poirot. Uh, no, no, it I'm was pretty Arthur sure it was Hercule Poirot. Conan Doyle. No, actually, I think it was Columbo. Arthur Conan Doyle. Right, he wrote Columbo. No. Okay. <laughs> hey, I remembered a name. I'm pretty happy, so stop messing with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was exceedingly mm. into mysticism, spiritualism. Um, seances, all that stuff. Conan Doyle was. Yes, he oh, was. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, oh. and uh, Harry Houdini. Let's see how to put this. Wasn't. wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> Harry Houdini was a big debunker. He was sort of the uh, what do you call amazing the amazing Randy. Randy of his time. He hated those people. Did not only that, but Conan Doyle, who I'm guessing had to have been a very intelligent person probably would have been a big fan of ancient aliens. And I say that because <laughs> he believed that Harry Houdini 
to get out of a lot of his escapes would discorporate or how what's that right. word? He would, he would turn into mist, uh, literally. Oh, disincarnated. Whatever. Yeah. And he would actually use these mystical powers. He believed... So he thought it was magic. He, he thought, thought it was real magic. magic. And Even Houdini, when Houdini would say to him, no, it isn't. Yeah, apparently. I'm just really good at this. Yeah, and... Oh, dear. I can't remember. I want to say I think it was Conan Doyle's daughter who died young. And mm. if, if you think I'm wrong or know I'm wrong, please write us. We'd mm. love the comments. Oh, yeah. But I believe what happened was he had there was somebody in his immediate family. I think it was his daughter who died young. And so he spent a lot of his time and efforts, you know, with spiritualists, mediums and yeah. stuff, trying to contact her and was, you know, really believing in this stuff. And Houdini was very not believing in this stuff. And while they initially started off on rather friendly terms, they very quickly were not friendly. Mm. And Houdini spent a lot of time saying, uh, they're ringing bells with their feet. And yeah. he would actually not only disprove he what had happened, he would demonstrate it yeah. in courtrooms. And there was, for a long time, he would he had offered a large amount of money to anybody who uh, said they had some sort of psychic abilities and that would do so to his specifications to prove that they were real. Mm -hmm. And then he would give them the money. No one ever managed to do it. The yeah. amazing Randy, who I believe is still alive, uh, has been doing the same thing since I think sometime in the 70s, uh -huh. maybe even the 60s. I'm not sure. He is also a magician who does not believe in spiritualism. He is also a professional debunker. Yeah, of course, we're going way out of... Yeah. Uh, off. But that was very popular. But the mummy! It yeah. <laughs> was very popular in the 20s and 30s. Yeah. And so that's, that's... People were very into spiritualism. Yeah. Um, so that, that sort of leaked its way into this film. The thing about this movie that kind of surprised... It's a lot like Dracula, and the ending is really sudden. Yeah. And it's very... It's kind of easy the way they beat him. Yeah. It, it's not a big deal. It's not dramatic. It's not climactic. It's just like, and he's done. And then the end. And that's it. Then it's over. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 somewhat sudden. But to be fair, you know, this is not a mythology that's being brought from another source. It's not a lot of background material. It was literally, oh, you know, Howard Carter found Tutankhamun's tomb. There's a curse, supposedly. Uh, that's what and people were a interested. bunch of them died that's it yeah so you know unlike the the werewolves which have lots of historical reference other vampires which have lots of historical reference well well no, no, no i don't mean i'm sorry mythological reference yeah. there's lots of stories there's lots no, of I mean, tales there there's some there isn't it's funny the vampire stuff as we said in the dracula show you know stoker did not invent it he didn't come up with it but no there's not a lot of stories about specific vampires there's here and there there's not specific some. but there were the lots idea, of folk sure. tales and stuff he just mm -hmm. decided to sort of quote unquote codify it yeah. and make it into dracula blah 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 blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um the mummy that tends not a max called them in the big three i don't i consider the wolfman to be the third of the yeah, big three yeah, mostly because the mummy weird. um doesn't get around real fast <laughs> uh and as this boom pointed out you can kind of at least in the earlier versions kind of walk away from him yeah. uh not that much of a threat the show. So well, that one isn't. However, yeah. our next mummy. We have another mummy movie, which probably a lot of people remember in one form or another. Mm -hmm. This is the 1999 Stephen Summers directed film called The Mummy, uh -huh. which interestingly also doesn't have a mummy in it because although Boris Karloff yeah. is a mummy, we don't see him walking as a mummy. But the character in this film wasn't actually mummified. He was wrapped in bandages, but the whole process of taking your guts out yeah, and your he brain. Was, he was mummified alive. He was buried alive. He was buried alive, but wrapped up. Yeah, just, but which just held him still. Mm. So this film follows a fairly similar plot, although we get to see what the naughty thing was that, mm -hmm. uh, in this case, Emperor. Yeah, there's more backstory. Uh, he basically, he fell in love with the, the Emperor's favored um, 
sleeping mate uh, and used his own he was a high priest he used his own priests to basically keep things under wraps so to speak <laughs> uh-huh. oh, I see what you did there Pull my finger uh, <laughs> and uh, unfortunately he was caught yeah. the uh, the woman in question actually ends up uh, helping to kill the Pharaoh. Wait, no, yes. Uh, yeah, and then they, she kills herself. And then she kills herself when they're caught. Yeah. They're like, oh, Imhotep, you naughty, naughty boy. We are going to put you in this curse that's so bad, as Max pointed out, that when you come up, because it doesn't seem to be an if, it seems to be a when, you can destroy the earth. Bye. I don't know why they did that part. I mean, what they did to him is awful. They bury him alive and they fill the uh, sarcophagus with... Flesh-eating scarabs. Flesh-eating scarabs, which I don't believe exist. I think what they're talking about are carpet beetles that, that be. eat him slowly. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, what happens is cut to Brendan Fraser in the 1930s as well. And he and a group of foreign legionnaires, uh, the French Legion, for French foreign legionnaires, uh, happen to come across the uh, fabled Hamanoptera, the city of the dead, which mm-hmm. is where the mummy is. Also a, 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 tr- a real legendary place. Well, real legendary. <laughs> <laughs> a real for true fake place. Yeah, they, they didn't make it up. It's, no. There are stories about Hamanoptera. Yeah. And uh, as people probably remember, uh, he does not get out of this easily or well. Eventually we cut to the two of the other lead characters Um who are one of or both children of famous archaeologists, which is the only reason they get to hang around the Nifty Cool Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, they come across evidence that somebody had knows how to get to Hamanoptera, which is in case, this case Brendan Fraser's character Rick O'Connell. Yep. Uh, there's another team of Americans that are also trying to get there. They get to Hamanoptera and through various hijinks and hilarity, wake up the mummy like they're not supposed to. Yeah. Because um, that happens. Therefore, follow plagues. And oh, yes. also, the mummy is guarded, in effect, by a secret society oh, yes. called the Magi. 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 Not Magi. Magi. Uh, Haji? Haji. <laughs> <laughs> Salabim. Yeah. And uh, they try to stop them from disinterring the mummy. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Like, hey, quit that. Blam, the, blam. The Magi, yeah. The Magi are basically like, they show up, they shoot a lot, a bunch of them get killed, and then they go, you better not do this or we'll be back. And you have leave. to wonder how they've been able to keep him protected for 3,000 years because they kind of stink at it. Yeah, I think they were supposed to be sort of like that group of the, uh, the what was it, the Sons of the Cruciform Sword from uh, uh, Indiana Jones 3? Oh, oh. But remember that variation of the Knights Templar. I thought they were no, they were just yeah. there to keep that thing hidden. Oh, you can't okay. find. Of course, some people say that the Grail is. Yeah. In, it's actually some people think it might be even be in Oak Island, which is a whole other show. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. um, the mummy is awoken. He believes that um, Rachel Wise character yeah. Evelyn or Evie. Uh, resembles an ox in the moon. My guess is his eyes aren't very good. To be fair, he does take the eyes of the American who can't see without his glasses. Yeah, poor guy. I he drops his glasses and he turns into Velma from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> My glasses. I can't see. My glasses. Yeah. So anyway, through lots of adventure and fun and swinging and screaming, dun, 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 dun. They, they take care of the yeah. mummy and everybody's yeah. happy in the end. The yeah. End. The characters, I mean, Rick O'Connell, he is pretty much indiana jones yeah except without the academic stuff and it's brendan fraser who was very big in this in the 90s yes and you know he was decent he's a good solid he was a good solid yeah. action uh, 
actor, good hero, good action hero, also known for playing George of the Jungle and Dudley Do-Right. Yeah, no, don't do right, Dudley, do, do wrong. wrong. Uh, very little trivia here, mostly because there's tons of it, mm. and most of it, quite honestly, wasn't very interesting. <laughs> uh, the budget on this one was $80 million, so a little yeah. bit up from the 175000 <laughs> from yeah, 1932. Yeah, they spent that much on craft services. Yeah, the take, worldwide, over 400 Whoa. So, so apparently, the, the story goes, the day after the film opened... Universal called Stephen Summers and said, we need another one. Yeah. Which is why we yeah. got the We sequel. got two sequels, in uh, fact. Yeah. This this uh, show will not be dealing with either, excuse me, either mm. of those films or any film that pretends to call itself the mummy that might have come after this. Tom Cruise. I don't know what you said. Can't hear you. Tom Cruise. Anyway, uh, Bernard Fox, he's a very famous British co- uh, character actor, appeared in tons of TV shows. Uh, this was actually his final film. And so the character's final appearance and final flight in the Sop... Well, it's not a Sop, uh, but it's meant to look like one. Uh, this is his final voyage on his plane, and he yeah. died a happy man. This is apparently his final film. We all, Most of us... Well, that is me. I know him mostly as Colonel Crittenden from Hogan's <laughs> Heroes. Yeah, there's a... Yeah. yeah. Don't don't watch. If you don't know Hogan's Heroes, you're better off. Yeah, so well. it's... Because, you know, Nazis are funny. Um the sand in the in the film, because they did shoot in the desert, uh-huh. uh, had an uh, annoying side effect, which uh-huh. would actually have made, if they'd left it in the way it worked, uh, the film far less exciting. It tended to jam the guns. Oops. So a lot of the actual shooting and the, the sound effects and the whatever, the smoke and whatever was added later because the guns were just going clickety-clickety-click. Uh-huh. Oops. Um, as I said, there's lots of other uh, trivia, but it's nearly endless. And yeah. Uh-huh. So... The Lowdown. Yeah, we've, we've, we've butchered the, the plot of this film, but that's pretty much it. Most people have seen this. It was very popular. I remember when it came out, and I initially was thinking, oh, The Mummy, that's going to be great. And I did go see it in the mm-hmm. theater, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It, it is a kick. Yep. Um, the, I was amazed at how much of the plot is reminiscent of the 32 yeah, version, the fact of. that they're both Imhotep, that yeah. Nox and the Moon is in both. They even have a couple of shared lines. Yes. That whole, you know, in fact, uh, Imhotep at one point, for some reason, disguises himself. With that and, weird mask. And comes in and is introduced as Ardeth Bay. Mm-mm. No? Ardeth Bay is actually the guy who's head of the Magi. Magi. The guy with the beard really? and the tattoos, that's his character's name. Oh, yep. okay. Yeah, he's the prince. I don't remember what the prince's name is. Oh, Ardeth. but he does have that line... The prince does not like to be touched. Right. It's a silly Eastern custom. And that's what Boris Karloff, what he says when he won't shake hands with anybody. Yeah, my guess is because his fingers would fall off. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was an, uh, a fairly early film that used a very large amount of CG. Mm. Some of which holds up, some of which doesn't. Yeah. But to be fair, they're still it's feeling... 20 years old. Yeah. It? You know, so they did a lot. Apparently the budget for the special effects alone in this film was $15 million. Wow. They set aside 20 and apparently didn't use it all. Um, that being said, at the time, I remember just being wowed and thinking everything was really, it's really cool. It's very epic. I mean, a lot yeah. of it is very large scale. You have crowds of zombies. Yep. You have plagues of locusts. Yep. They, they do a kind of shtick where they're kind of trying to recreate the ten plagues of Egypt out yep. of uh, Exodus. but the, and, and other things, because apparently the hail that was falling was yeah. made out of painted dog food. Ah. <laughs> literally painted dog food white and, and threw it okay. uh, hey it worked you know I believed it yeah, sure. uh, so the Beatles you mentioned earlier mm. so there's actually some backstory apparently there was a novelization of this because you know I'm sh- sure they, why not I, I, do they still do that 
Yeah, sometimes they do. They still do novelizations. I mean, I, I actually used to work for a gentleman. Nowadays who, they call it fan fiction. Oh. I used to work for somebody, or with somebody, who was a movie no, uh, movie novelist, I guess yeah. you'd call it. Um, his name was uh, Craig Shaw Gardner. And uh, I was lucky because I was working with him at a local comic store, The Million Year Picnic, best comic store in New England. Um, <laughs> hey, Tony. You, we're you, not getting a dime. <laughs> you owe me five bucks. Yeah. Um, no, but he uh, was somehow chosen to write the novelization to the 1989 Tim Burton Batman movie. Batman. And what a lot of people don't know, yeah. and there's no reason you should, is that I appear in that novelization yes. as Luce, the slimy accountant. Yep. And I believe I live on page 41 and die on page 42. <laughs> <laughs> but, and the movie novelization, apparently they explained a number of things. Uh, the curse was actually a lot nastier than we are shown. Oh. So those beetles... Yeah. Yeah, what happens with them is they eat um, Imhotep, right. and he is cursed to live forever. So he does not die very quickly at all. And in fact, when the beetles have gorged themselves, and then he has nothing to eat, he actually eats the beetles. Yeah. And then, because they have eaten him, and he is cursed to live forever, they're cursed to oh. live forever, and it's this nasty cycle that went yeah, on and on. Okay, so it's one eating the other, yeah, after, over and over again. That's, yeah. Okay, that's a little more imaginative. Yeah, I still don't understand the godlike powers, and yeah, yeah, yeah. that part. It's like because I, this Imhotep, he can like create sandstorms. He can sandstorms. Yeah, he can control entire cities worth yeah. of people. He's basically a god. Although he doesn't get scared of cats. <laughs> yeah, there was a, there was a white cat in the original mummy film, yeah. but it was actually the dog that ran away. Not yeah, the, the cat. cat would belong to Imhotep. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is that this Imhotep can't just reach out and make a fist and have people die. True. He has to actually show up and then suck the life out of you. Right, or throw you through a window or some such. Because he's also super strong and he can't be killed by mortal weapons. Yeah. Did you ever see a science fiction film right around the same time called Life Force? Yeah, Patrick Stewart was in that very uh, briefly. Yeah. So you know the people that had the life sucked out of him in this movie? Yeah. They were the same actual bodies from Life Force. Oh, the same uh, effect. Yes. That? Oh. That's why they say it's they suck the life force uh, oh. because it's literally the same okay. mannequins mannequin a film you should see right now no. mm -hmm. um brennan fraser Stop me yeah. before i sub reference again <laughs> i think that this is arguably brennan fraser fraser's biggest film probably i think it's his most successful yeah um he did some odd films here and there too mm -hmm. he did a film that i actually really liked called gods and Mon monsters oh, with, i never saw that it's supposed to be good yeah it's ian mckellen yeah and hey, there's a pair you would not think of ian mckellen and brendan fraser in roles that will surprise you yes but he also did monkey bone with chris Catan. yeah well gods and monsters uh ian mckellen was supposed to be playing james whale who was the director yeah. of, oh, was it Frankenstein? I think it was either Frankenstein or Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, so he was an early film director, and this was in his later years. And uh, Brendan Fraser was playing his gardening boy. And uh, there was a an attraction, shall we say. Uh -huh. that Yeah. Anyway, um, it, this film's a hoot. It is not meant to be taken seriously. Um, there's some very goofy stuff in it. Um, apparently, and I can't remember, it's, is it Kevin... Uh, O'Brien? No, who plays Benny? Oh. His name's Kevin Summers. This is actually a very close personal friend of Stephen Summers, so you will see Benny in a lot of other films, including That's Van Kevin Helsing. Kevin O'Connor, yeah. Kevin O'Connor, okay. Um, also, apparently, uh, there's one scene where he's trying to load the camel, camel up with gold, solid gold goodies, yeah. and the camel is not having any yet. Yeah. Apparently, all of the camels hated him. <laughs> Don't know why. No, they, they, they just all universally hated this one guy. Yeah. Okay. Don't know why. 
Um, Maybe he did like Conan and punched one once. Yeah, the the connection for Imhotep and Evie is a lot more tenuous in this film. Yeah, it's like, oh, she kind of looks like, and it's like, no, she really doesn't. No. But then later, it's like, well, I get to use you as a sacrifice because that way I can resurrect. Right, her. that makes a little more sense. Although, come on, I let's guess. face it. If you're choosing a bride, you would I would choose Rachel Weisz. Come well, on. Except that he's not going to get Rachel Weisz. He's going to get yeah, yeah whatever. on a moon, right? Yeah, yeah right. Um, hopefully, she she looks a little better after the, the ceremony because <laughs> yes, yeah, mummy kind of mummy looking. Um, this is one of those early films that used a lot of um, motion capture, yeah. and uh, I've, and I've, I saw this in one of the extras of the film. But apparently, Brendan Fraser was exceedingly easy to work with for the people doing special effects mm. because he really studied and perfected his movements so that later on they could put the skeletons in and stuff that he was fighting, and it, everything worked together very well. Um, but you know, this is right before Lord of the Rings, right? Because Lord uh, of the Rings was 2000? Yeah, it was 2000, 2002, something like yeah, that. Yeah, and of course, uh, you know, then we got Lord of the Rings with Gollum. And yeah. of course, Gollum was a huge leap. Yeah, that was like, that was the pinnacle of motion capture at that point. Yeah. Uh, did you see The Mummy when it came out? Uh, this one, the, in, the, in the theater? I did. No, the 1932 one. <laughs> ah, yes, I did, in the theater. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed it. I thought yeah. it was a lot of fun. Is and it? I think it holds up. Yeah. I think it's fun. I think the characters, this is a much more complicated movie than the original, which yes. is, it's also almost twice as long. Yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, the first one's like an hour and 16 minutes. This yeah. is over two hours. Right. And uh, the relationship between Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss, or, you know, Evie and uh, O'Connell. Rick. yeah. It is unbelievable and yes. charming. They have real chemistry they together. Do. And Jonathan, the comic relief brother, he's fun. Yeah. And even Benny, yeah. who is awful and sleazy, but still funny, and you oddly feel for him. It, I, yeah. My my favorites. One of my favorite scenes in there is Benny, who is who is clearly has henchmen stamped on him. <laughs> You know, this kid, when he when he was born, I'm sure he had a birthmark somewhere that says henchman. And we shall call him Benjamin Henchman yeah, Smith. pretty much. Although I uh, still don't know where he's from. Yeah, his accent is largely undefinable. Well, well, he seems to, like, he's dressed as if he's somewhere, from somewhere, maybe in Northern Africa or mm -hmm. the Middle East, because he's got the fez and everything. But he pre keeps pronouncing his W's as V's yeah, as if he's... He has a, an accent like, it's central, like uh, Russian or Central European. My guess is... He doesn't know. Yeah, probably. Anyway, your but favorite there, scene. There's is a great scene where he comes face to face for the first time with Imhotep, and he's like, "Oh no, please don't <laughs> kill me!" And he starts. He pulls out around his neck. He's got literally every religious icon. He pulls out a cross, and he's he starts you know saying, "Our Heavenly Father." Doesn't do anything. He tosses it over his shoulder. He pulls out the Buddha, and he starts praying in Chinese. Uh, he pulls out this one of the signs of Islam. And finally, he pulls out a Star of David and starts praying in Hebrew. And that's what Imhotep recognizes. He goes, the language of the slaves. Right. And it's like, oh, okay. I, I, first off, I thought that was really interesting. It's also wrong. Well, yes. Well, no, no. It, well, not, they believe they, it's No, wrong. hang on, hang on. The Hebrews were slaves. That I'm not talking about that. But the Hebrew that Benny knows would, uh, would be modern Hebrew which does not bear a lot of resemblance to ancient Hebrew. Well, now wait, because wouldn't it Hebrew have been... Hebrew has changed very much over even the... Even stuff from the Torah? Um, some of it would. The pronunciation? Okay. Yeah, the written stuff wouldn't, but the way it's pronounced would have changed. Also, I'm trying to figure out why would this high priest of Egypt 
speak. Well, maybe he would. I don't that know. depends. Or it sounds familiar. Who yeah, knows? He might have known. No, he might have known. I don't think. Because um, he starts speaking to Benny in Hebrew. Does he? I yes, he does. I couldn't tell. I, he does. He speaks. It all sounded like. No. He starts speaking to him in Hebrew, and Benny can understand him. For reasons we don't know, because we can't tell where he's from. I have to admit, it's pretty impressive that Benny speaks all those languages. Well, I, my guess is he knows, please don't eat me in about five languages. Mm. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's fairly That's handy. reasonable. He probably also yeah. knows where's the bathroom. Um, One of my problems with the movie is I think Imhotep is really... I mean, the the guy who plays him, who I've never heard of, Arnold Voslu? Yeah. He's really uninteresting. I really liked him. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't think the character is particularly interesting, but I, I actually like the the visuals of Arnold. I think mm. he actually is pretty cool looking. I guess the character could have been. I, I wish the character had been a little more developed, as opposed to yar har har, because there isn't. And they do more of this in the sequel, but the uh, idea that he is pining for his lost love that doesn't come across. It's no. like, hey, you know what? You're a knocks on a moon, and I want, and I, you know, I've been in that thing for three thousand years, and I want to get some. He does at the end. At the end, he seems a little like, bit, especially when yeah. she gets um, killed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> again. Yeah, for about fifteen seconds. Yeah, but they're they they obviously were trying to make him more sympathetic, and I don't think that worked, which was unfortunate. Because the rest of it, I think, works great. I mean, I loved, I like all the characters. I like the the other thing that complicates this is there's a competing group of treasure hunters who are right. trying who have also found Hamanoptera and uh, they're all we get very little about them but they're already really interesting yeah they, they are they're definitely a B team though. yeah yeah you can, tell. you can tell that uh, yeah O'Connell is they're not in the they're not in his class no well they're also like pretending to be archaeologically interested and I think they just want the money that's they're very clear about that yeah. I mean there's the one guy the one who's clearly um, Arabic or yeah. Turkish or some such and as, you know, but he's yeah he seems to be more a, a source of information yeah he's more interested in the historical the, part of it but the other guys they're, they're they're very clear they say we're here for the money yeah we want to sell we want stuff we owe lots of solid gold goodies well and then at one point they're all gloating it's like oh, we got canop canopic jars oh, I got a kidney in mine what do you got <laughs> and it's like all you got was a nasty old mummy and it's like I'm guessing the mummy's probably worth something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially a gooey one. <laughs> He's still juicy. Juicy. Yeah, that's what they say. Um, I always thought that the image with the scarab beetles creeped me out. That uh, really, with the first time I saw it. Yeah. Because they don't. They have a whole thing where they burrow under the skin. And yeah, uh, yeah. And again, as long as, I like that they clearly made it okay. These are magical. Yeah. Because a, I don't think scarab beetles eat people. And even if they did, they, they can't eat that much, and they can't they, eat that, that fast. That fast no. and. They wouldn't still be alive. Yeah. There's nothing for them to live on, and they were all inside these little shells. So, yeah, I like them as sort of supernatural things. Yeah, we have a little bit uh, extra in the comic relief department. We actually kind of have yeah. three. Um, there's oh, a right. jailkeeper. That's and right, the warden. What's he, his name? Yeah, uh, interestingly, uh, he uh, he's often referred to as our smelly little friend. Yeah, warden, yeah God Hassan was uh, played by Omid Jali. Who apparently is a British comedian. Uh, this was oh. his first film role, uh, his first acting role. I don't know if he went on to do more after this. I don't recall him, um, but uh, he's he's a little over the top. He's probably of the three comic relief figures. He's probably the most goofy. He's also probably the most racist. Well, I mean, come on, he's like ah, you sons of a jackal, blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh, he's actually done quite a lot since mostly, then. mostly in, in England, but. 
he tends to play, he tends to play he's Iranian right and he tends to play generic Arab characters Iranian Egyptian same thing because yeah, yeah. <laughs> we white audiences don't know no. by the way you know what uh, I was curious while we were talking about Brendan Fraser and I'm like yeah, you know, he kind of disappeared. He didn't. He's done a whole lot of stuff, a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. You know what he's doing now? No. The DC show, the new Doom Patrol. Oh. He's Cliff Steele slash Robot Man. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's how we don't know it's him. Yeah, because huh. you can't tell him to the hold of metal. But yeah. yeah, that's his voice. That's him. Yeah, he had this 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 run of action movies, and he's perfectly fine yeah. as an action hero. He's he's nice. You can tell though, certain actors you just you don't think about things like their height. With Brendan Fraser, you kind of can't help it. It's like I bet he's six four. He is huge. He's, he's a very tall man. I have this feeling there were boxes and trenches. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which is better, of course, than uh, trade negotiations and pod races, which <laughs> thankfully we have not had in a pod race, while. Yeah, trade negotiation and pod racing. They're um, cops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, this is a very well movie. You know, we are gonna, kind of going over well-trod ground. Yeah. And um, I will admit that I kind of cheesed out on this one because of this series. One of the films that kind of spurred me on to do this because I thought it would be topical and, you know, worth doing was the movie... I should say the movies A Star is Born of uh, which there are four versions mm. and when it came to it I was like I don't wanna yeah, <laughs> yeah we tried we did the three movie thing with Dracula yep. that was a lot of work doing three movies in a week yeah and the other thing too is that there are so many versions we had to oh, really like yeah. pick you know and then you, you know you want to do the thing that's the same story because you want to see how people tell the mm-hmm. same story and this is more or less Kinda, the same. Yeah, well, it's pretty much the same thing. They just expand on a lot of stuff. Um, they add a lot of things they can't do in the original film, yeah. like the mummy actually moves. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, you you have the you things take place in Cairo and in Hamanatra. Well, it's actually Marrakesh, but there you go. Because they, they couldn't film in Cairo because of the political situation yeah. at the time. Hey, the subtitle said Cairo. It's Cairo. <laughs> Believe everything you read in a movie. Yes. Yeah. Movies never lie. Yeah. Um, and it did spur the sequels, unfortunately. And I say yeah. that I, I, you know, I don't remember the third one. I don't think I ever saw it. Is I saw the part. The balloon. No, that's the second. One. No, it's the second. Yeah, the, the third second one, one is the one with um, Michelle Yeoh and really cool Asian actors being completely wasted. Well, it does. And they weren't mummies. It, it, no, and it commits a a kind of movie sin right off the bat. It yeah. introduces a child. And it makes That's a the child, second one. Yeah, it, yeah, and it puts a child as a main character and as a main plot point. Yeah. And it's like, if you're doing a kid's movie, great. If you're doing a movie about kids, great. But when you throw yeah. kids into things, it tends to, like, muddy stuff up. That part didn't bother me as much. I you know why? It was so annoying. Yeah, but the thing I liked was he and Jonathan, they were like... Despite the fact Jonathan was thirty years older, they were like playmates. It was like yeah. it emphasized how immature Jonathan was, yeah. and the fact that they're always squabbling like two little brothers. I thought that was cute, but the rest of it, it's just too much. Yeah, they're like we're going to throw everything into yeah. this, and you know what? We're also going to have the Rock as a as a, as a CGI King. Scorpion King, and we're going to have pygmies. Yeah. And we're gonna have a balloon and all. The, yeah. And we're gonna have both the original mummy back, and now we're gonna have an ox on a moon as a character. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then of course we got a Scorpion yeah. King movie, which is Ugh. highly memorable. Uh, I actually there were two or three of those, oh, believe it or not. Yeah, they only got the Rock for one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which basically the, the Scorpion King says, "Okay, you know all that stuff in uh, the la- in the mummy movies? No, no, forget it. Scorpion King's a good guy." If I remember correctly, in the second Mummy movie, one character is outrunning the sunrise. 
something like that. Yeah. There's certain movies that have people outrunning yeah. things that they really can't yeah. outrun. Uh, the Day After Tomorrow, oh, somebody's boy. outrunning the frost. They're outrunning the global warming. Yeah. <laughs> it's right behind us. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Look out, global warming. <laughs> yeah, um, and this one, and there's people outrunning explosions, mm. and this one, he's outrunning the, you know, yeah, whatever, you know. Um, yeah, I didn't like. That. I don't. I literally remember nothing about the third one. Was Brendan Fraser even in it? I, I don't know. I, I there was think a third he one, was. Wasn't there was. It was the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Ah, that's the extent of it. I know that. I think Brendan Fraser was in it, and I remember Michelle Yeoh was in it because I always remember when Michelle Yeoh is in things. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, watch her on Star Trek Discovery instead. Although she's only yeah. in what, she, two episodes, yeah. three episodes. But she's still really cool. She's yes. also good in Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Uh, so if somehow you haven't seen the Mummy, I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised because um, I'm not surprised if you hadn't seen the 1932 version. No, no, no. Uh, any more points you'd like to bring about, up about the 1999 version before we compare and contrast? Um, no, I think we've covered most of it. Uh, yeah, I think so. There's, we get to the compare and contrast, and now we would like to compare and contrast the roundup. So, Matt, we're not going to. Good night. Now, I, yeah, I'm sure. I just yes. want to say before I ask you your yeah. opinion is, I actually find the compare and contrast on this a lot less simple and cut and dry as I thought it was yeah. going to be. Yeah. Uh, what is what is your opinion? Okay, these are very different movies. Oh yes. and they're very different kinds of movies. <laughs> one of them's an action film, and one of them isn't. <laughs> yeah. Um. I I enjoy the 1999 version more. It's yeah. way more fun. It moves faster. It's better to look at. It's it's actually very impressive visually. Um, the original, the 32, is really interesting from historical from a film historical point, and it's really cool to see Boris Karloff again. You know, we just seen him in the in Frankenstein like the year before, I think. Uh, 31. Mm. Yep, so a year before. And that's actually why they did this. Yeah. So as again, you know how I said Stephen Summers got a call saying, we need another one? Yeah. Apparently Frankenstein was so successful, partially because of that makeup, which had never been done before, mm. um, they said, we need to do something with him. And in fact, they were like, we're going to do this magical film. It wasn't even Egyptian-based uh-huh. when they first came upon it. Like, they were going to do this film. And then somebody came in and said, hey, you know, Egypt. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah. And again, Boris Karloff's really good in it. Mm-hmm. He's He's got this great menace about him. Yep. He's got this one that, while he isn't like the mummy, you know, crawling across the room, he moves very slowly, very deliberately. He, has a, he gives a great performance as someone that is not really human. And he also looms over people because yeah. Boris Karloff is also very tall. He's very tall. Yeah. <laughs> he had platform shoes on in Frankenstein, but they didn't have to be that big. No. And he was very gaunt, too. Mm. So he actually kind of looks like somebody who's, yeah, I came back, but not very well. Yeah. So. Yeah. He had a really distinctive face. Yeah. And again, as for, for what it was for the time, I like it. I think it's well done. And even if it is slow, it's given other movies of that time, it's not nearly as slow as some of them. Yeah. And you know it does. It didn't. It isn't as goofy, for example, as Dracula can be at some points. I mean, it, well, it, you mean it, like Renfield? Hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah, very much like Renfield. Although we do have that guy laughing, and, and he's it, like, and, "I'm mad." <laughs> yeah, but he's that's one scene. Yeah, and then he goes away. We never yeah, see him. then he goes away. But there's no bats on strings. <laughs> <laughs> These are some of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not as silly. Uh, 
The acting is not very good, except for Boris Karloff. It's very much a, a movie of the 30s, where, as we've said, it's like a, you know, a play. Everything's over the top and exaggerated. And the love story is completely unbelievable. Yeah. It's like, hello, I just met you. I'm English, and I'm in love with you right now. Oh, yeah, the the uh, explorer type. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It literally is. I, 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 they might have even said that. <laughs> it's that quick. Yeah, it's just out of nowhere. It's out of nowhere, and it you don't buy it. Whereas the relationship between Evie and Rick, it develops over the movie, and you believe it. They're both they've got they're both this sort of uh, uh, nonconformist kind of iconoclastic people, a little awkward, a little awkward in and different ways. He and he's well, most of the others tend to dismiss her as just a woman, and he does that a little bit. But he really quickly realizes that she's something remarkable, and that she's a match for him, and she's smart. And as he points out, oh, yes, you're way smarter than I am, so you know, you have to figure this out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they, again, I don't dislike either one. I think uh, if I were going to recommend uh, the, a movie for fun that you would actually enjoy more, <laughs> I'd say it's the 99 version. Yeah. But I think they're both worth seeing. What do you think? Pretty much the same thing. Uh, the 32 version, again, came from nothing. Mm. It was literally a bunch of people going, hey, let's tell this story. And it ended up spawning, you know, film after film after film. Mm. And it's, I'm going to say, one of the Universal Monsters top four. Later we will get the Creature of the Black Lagoon. We're not going to talk about the Wolfman, but that was obviously one of the, yeah. the big three. But he also showed up in tons of films. And apparently there was a big monster craze in the 30s. Oh, yeah. Um I would say for the average younger viewer, you're probably not going to find a lot that's going to interest you about the 32 version because of its pacing, because of the acting style. Um, it's really not an action film. There's really no action at all. Yes. But without that film, we wouldn't have had all the rest. And if yeah. you can see it in its context and appreciate it for it being what it is, again, sound in movies has been around for five years. Yeah. So there's certain things that are missing in here, like a soundtrack. There are yeah. two songs. One during the opening credits, which happens to be the exact same piece of music as they used for Dracula. Yep, it's a piece from Swan Lake. And there's one, I think it's during the end credits yeah. or somewhere later that's, on. That's, that's it. it. That's it. And we're just so used to it, it seems like something's missing. Oh, wait, I thought there was music in the old one during the flashback. There was, it was, there was one other yeah. point where there was music. I remember that. Yeah, but that's and, it. Yeah. Um, it does have a very abrupt ending, which apparently was a thing back then. Yeah. Um, and I think also, to be fair, one of the reasons that films tended to be shorter back then is because you didn't go to see a movie. Mm. You went out to the movies at which you would see a cartoon or two. You would see a short subject. You would see a newsreel. Yeah. Then you might see one or two films in a feature or a double feature. So it was an evening. Yeah. Like, you would probably go to the films, the movies, the flickers, <laughs> at, like, 7, and you would probably leave around 9.30 or 10. It mm. was, and for your quarter, you got a lot. Mm. Um, and then, this is one of those cases, though, that I think is interesting, because if you're going to remake a film, you should bring something to the table that says, I have a reason for remaking this film. Mm. Apparently, Stephen Summers saw The Mummy when he was 8. It scared the crap out of him. Huh. I could say, if you were a little kid, it would scare the crap out of you. Yeah. And so he had reasons, like, I want to make this movie. Mm -hmm. And he does take ostensibly the same story, and not really the same characters, uh, vaguely, sort of, kind of. And he says, I want to make this a big, rollicking, fun thing, but I want to remake it without being slavish to the original and by bringing new stuff. Admittedly, a lot of it has to do with the special effects to the table. And I think he was very successful. His later films, mm, although I still maintain that Van Helsing's a lot of fun. Oh dear. Nobody we've agrees been, with we've me. We've been through this. Yeah, I know. Um, 
I think that people are more likely if they have not seen both of these films. And you know, again, I'm surprised with the Mummy. I think they're more likely to enjoy mm. the newest one, the 1999. I know nothing about the Tom Cruise one. I don't want to know anything about the well, Tom Cruise. Well, I think I'm sorry. We can't just not mention it because that was a. I did. It was an attempt. Oh, that's to right. Start you saw the dark. It, yes, I did. <sighs> because it was. It's their attempt to start what they wanted to do their own cinematic universe. Universal wanted to create the dark universe right. where they were going to tie. All of them, you know, Dracula and the Mummy and Frankenstein and I don't know what else together. This, I believe, this single film destroyed that idea completely. The Tom Cruise one. Yeah, it was because yeah. it was a complete failure, and there's a reason it was a complete failure. It's really bad. <laughs> it's bad, Max. If you could be more specific uh, in its badness, it's, in what way it, was it so so very? I, it's shorter to say where it's not bad. Yeah. Uh, How's the special it, effects? The special effects are adequate, ah. but not great. Okay. Um, mostly, they like that. They love that special effect of where the pupil divides in the eye, although there's no reason for it, and it doesn't really explain anything or why it's there. It's just like, hey, this is cool. Okay. Uh, does well, Tom Cruise? Our, our listeners are on the edges of their yeah. seat. Does Tom Cruise save the day? Of course he uh. does. Yes, and he he also is bestowed with godlike powers and such. He's Imhotep. Kinda. Really? Well, no, he's actually Set, I think, the god of death. Eh. Oh, it doesn't, no, ow, believe ow. me, I saw this and There's I don't remember most of it. There's a pain between my eyes. Honestly, the most fun thing in that is not Tom Cruise, and it's not any of, most of the other people who I cannot remember. It's Russell Crowe. Does he throw a phone at anybody? He wants to, but you understand, <laughs> but uh, he doesn't have one at hand. And he plays Dr. Jekyll and Edward Hyde. Oh, because this is going to set up the next part of the yes, dark. Did they actually gonna... do it? Jekyll and Hyde? They've done a lot of Jekyll and Hyde No, no, movies. but they, did they do the one? Oh, with... in, in this universe? No. They've no, done one. It... They did the mummy. Yeah. That will well, probably be it. Didn't they say the Wolfman was sort oh, of maybe sorta... kind of the beginning? No, of... they didn't actually use the term dark universe when they had him. And because, of course, they kill him. Oh, yeah. That was the Benicio Del Toro one. Yeah. <laughs> the dog he wore a shirt. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Which, again, which looked nice. And it, it should have been great. Yeah. Because I like Benicio Del Toro. And Anthony Hopkins is in it. Well... And, yeah, yeah, shut up. <laughs> and it's... I've forgotten most of it. Uh, so visually, it looked... Some it, was of it was really cool. gory. It was very gory. It was very messy. They like to really show those nasty yeah. transformation scenes. Real, they, re- real they really do. And I, I still think my favorite is American Werewolf in London. I think yeah. that, that handled the transformation really well. And uh, I thought it was a really cool-looking werewolf, largely because they kept the camera away from it as much as possible, because it's really hard to do a werewolf that doesn't look silly. Yeah, and it's usually, of, of the all the transformations they're going to screw up, that's the one they screw up. Yeah. They did it in Van Helsing. Yeah. They did it in Underworld. Mm-hmm. They did it in, you know... Lots of them. Lots of these. They just can't seem to make wolves. I don't know why. Wolves. Wolves. It's the wolf. It's the wolf. That's that's who it is, the wolf. I don't, you know, the whole Dark Universe thing, I don't even know if it would have worked. Because they're all, like, Dracula comes from a different background than does the, well, the Wolfman and Dracula are the closest. Yeah. But the mummy comes from an entirely different background. Well, that didn't stop Universal before. Come on. You had the mummy meets the werewolf. Dracula meets the mummy and the werewolf. And Abbott and, and Costello. And the Three Stooges. <laughs> yeah. and, and On ice. And, <laughs> it goes on and on. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I, I don't know. Maybe they'll try again. Maybe they'll. But uh, from what I heard, 
uh, the mummy did so badly that they just scrapped the whole idea of the dark universe. And good. if they were all going to be like that, good. Because yeah. it's really bad. Again, Russell Crowe looks like he's having a great time when he's Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll, he's just kind of like, hello, I'm Basil Exposition. Oh, good. We need yeah. lots of those. Yeah, but when he turns into Mr. Hyde, he's a lot of fun because... He actually, they got the idea right. Mr. Hyde, in, in the Robert Louis Stevenson story, he's a creature of appetites and impulse. He, he's, he loves chaos. He loves throwing things around. He Because he, Dr. Jekyll is this orderly, mannered, quiet fellow, and he's supposed to be the opposite. And, uh, Crow actually captured that fairly well. Huh. Well, but yeah, still that's not about, a recommendation. No, it's about three minutes worth of the movie, and it's not worth it. No. Huh. Bad, stinky, very bad. Well, Max, do you know what this is? Tuesday? No, it's not even Tuesday. Uh, it is, in fact, the final episode ah. of our sixth series, which is, in fact, Then and Now, or what? This is again? It? Yep. Which I'm going to say we actually might come back to this, because they yeah. keep remaking crap. There are so many remakes, um, and we've got a whole, we have a whole list that we haven't even touched. But besides that, yeah. this is episode 49. Why, that would make up next episode number, hang on. Oh, dear God. Can you hear the clicking I in the gotta, background? i got to take my shoes off. <laughs> Is that smoking burning? I smell smoke. <laughs> yeah, well, that's episode 50, our 50th episode, our, our golden anniversary. And, you know, I think we months. should do something <laughs> yeah. kind of special. Like what? Well. He said suspiciously. I, <laughs> you're I, such yeah, a liar. <laughs> uh, so, next week yeah. on Max Mike Movies, we will not be doing nope. a new series. Nope. We will be doing a special episode. Indeed. And What's so special about it, Mike? Oh, it's it's ultra super special. It is super special awesome. Oh, it's it's got wonderment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I say this as if we haven't already recorded it, Shut and up. we have. Yeah. Um, so I next think we week, recorded it for some reason. I'm having trouble remembering. <laughs> next week's episode, a super special. Join us for our fiftieth episode, amazing yep. celebration episode. Yep, this episode. is which we're calling "Drove Us to Drink." Yep, because it did. It did. We and discussed the worst movies at the time uh, uh, that we could think of at the time yes. that we had ever seen. Yeah, and to numb the pain, yes, we we sucked down a lot of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> There's no nice way to put it. Yeah, we're pretty hammered during this one. Oh, so pretty? <laughs> let, let us applaud. Well, let's just say this. Mike sounds kind of funny through the whole one. Yeah. Because for some reason he got yeah. he got hit, this accent stuck. <laughs> Literally, he couldn't, I couldn't, he couldn't stop, stop doing, doing it. it. And uh, he does the whole episode. So yeah. we'd li- I, I would, even though we do this at the beginning of the episode, I'm doing it again. I'm so sorry <laughs> for what you're going to hear. Um, I, I've listened to a little bit. I actually thought it was funny, but yeah, that's yeah. just me. Yeah, anyway, yeah. next week, it will be, in fact, our 50th anniversary, anniversary Super Spectacuma uh, Amazo episode, Drove Us to Drink. Max and I have, in fact, been imbibing. We talk about horrible movies that we don't like, and you two may tune in and join us if you'd like to imbibe with the drink of your choice. That's up to you. But until that point, until the bottle comes out one more time... Until we discover what it is, up with Zangief's ass. I am Mike Luce. <laughs> and I'm Max Levine. Not at all looking at things on the internet. No, I'm not. <laughs> See you next time. Stop looking at porn. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. 